would come in and get a book and turn to 236. 236. We'll sing the first verse before we get into our Bible study this morning. I found my Lord and he is mine. He won me by his love. I'll serve him all my years of time and dwell with him above. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. His service is my sweetest delight. His blessings ever flow. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this opportunity for, to have a Bible study this morning. And we thank you for our country that we live in that we're allowed to, to do the things uh, to worship you, Father, without persecution. Father, as we enter this Bible study, we thank you for our brother John's ability and his willingness to stand before us to teach us, Father. Be with each one of us as students of your word, Father, to come closer to you each and every day. And Father, be with the other Bible class teachers and the students there, Father. And uh, Be with us as we go through our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I believe Rellin's printed out the smallest print I've seen so far. Kevin showed that to me and told me I better have my glasses on. Uh, and the Cookville Hospital is built. Is Bill still in the Cookville Hospital? Yes. Cookville Hospital is built, doesn't he? Centennial down in Nashville is Lynn Ramsey. Those who are home now are Hillary Broom, Pam Peterson, Rebecca South, or should that be Smith? It says South, but that don't sound right. Does anybody know? Uh, well, Rebecca South, I guess, and also Larry and Lisa Garrison. Are there any others that we need to add to our prayer list? I've never heard the last name South before you. <clears throat> okay. We're still uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, the source of divine wisdom, verses 12 through 16. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but in words which the Holy Spirit teaches, compar comparing spiritual things with spiritual we went over that last week, but I wanted to keep uh, the text in contact. Uh, but the natural man, this is, uh, this is all about the difference between the inner man, the outer man, spiritual man, uh, the fleshly man, 
the natural man uh, versus the, the spirit within. We are composite beings. It's where the battle comes in that we fight on a daily basis. Uh, the greatest battle of our life, I believe, is with our own self, flesh battling the spirit. So right now at the moment, Paul's talking about the natural man, the fleshly man. Well, he does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. There's a reason for it. They are foolishness to him. That's to be expected. Uh, the natural man, the, the man who thinks everything is of the world, uh, would think anything spiritual is foolish because you're talking about something that doesn't exist from his perspective. Uh, it's only when a person comes to the point where they believe that there is a inner spirit and the flesh, there's the person who can make a division between the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. Well, he's talking about a man, the natural man, the fleshly man, uh, a man who's not controlled by the spirit. He said, the things of God are just foolishness. You talk about the virgin birth of Christ, uh, that's foolishness. Talk about the resurrection from the dead. That's foolishness. That's not the way the natural order works. And when you start talking about such things, he, he'll turn you off because in his mind, you make no sense at all. I, I understand why that's the way it is uh, until you accept the fact that you are a composite being. Uh, I don't see how it, it would ever make sense to you. Nor can he know, that is, the things of the Spirit of God. He neither, uh, it's foolishness, he doesn't understand it, he doesn't know what the Spirit has said. These things, Paul says, are spiritually discerned. The American Standard Version says they are spiritually judged. Okay? Spiritually discerned and spiritually judged. The things of the Spirit has to be judged by the Spirit. If you try to judge the things of the spirit by the fleshly man, they're not going to make sense. You've got to allow the inner person to uh, investigate, if you will, uh, the things that's been revealed by the spirit of God. The definition of the word discerned in the Greek uh, means to scrutinize. Uh, that's the actual meaning of it. By implication, to investigate, interrogate, determine, ask, question, discern, examine, judge, search. Okay. In order to understand the things of the Spirit, we have to investigate the things of the Spirit. The natural man uh, cannot investigate the things of the Spirit because he doesn't believe we are spirit. So there's no reason for him to do so. But the person who's accepted the fact that we are spirit and body, this is a person who can, from the inner man, he can investigate the things of the spirit rationally, logically, intelligently. Uh, and that's the only way this person will ever understand and know the truth. The natural man, for all practical purposes, uh, until he has a change of heart about the most fundamental thing about us, the fact that we are spirit and body, uh, he has no hope. You've got to, uh, you've got to allow uh, the inner man to give consideration to these things. Uh, I don't know uh, exactly 
how much investigation is done by the spiritual person. Uh, but I can, I can assure you that it's necessary that it be done that way in order for it to get done, in order to fully comprehend, understand what the Spirit of God has revealed to us. It's, uh, it's not something that's impossible. It's who we are in reality. We are a spirit housed in a body. We're not a body with a spirit in us. We're actually a spirit housed in a body. It's the spirit made in the image of God. Uh, it is the intelligent part of us. It is the rational part of us. It's the part of us that has the ability to behave like God behaves. The flesh does not, because the flesh only seeks the things of the world, which it was designed to do. Remember, 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 this is a test. What we call life is a test. God wanted fellowship with other beings. He wanted a family that he could care for. But he wanted to ensure that those who were members of his family had the freedom to choose for themselves whether they wanted to be with him or not. And therefore, rather than just creating spirits and bringing them unto himself, in which case all spirits must love God by default, he created a body for us to dwell in. And the body tugs one way, the spirit tugs the other. And there's the battle. And we make a decision. What wins? The flesh or the spirit? Uh, it's not, I don't think it's too hard to understand. I may be wrong. It, it isn't for me. And maybe I'm oversimplifying the matter. Uh, is it too hard to understand? Is what? Yeah, with the brain. There's a difference between brain and mind. At least that's what scientists say. I can't explain exactly what the spirit is. I don't know. I don't think anybody in the world knows. Uh, the spirit uh, is that aspect of us uh, made in the divine image and bears characteristics of the divine spirit. Okay, that's the way God made us. Uh, the flesh, on the other hand, uh, it, it's, it's natural to want to do things that God forbids. Okay, it's a natural thing to want to do that. Fornication, for example. One of the most natural acts of a human being. Uh, the body wants to fornicate. It just wants to fornicate. But it's up to the spirit to stop it from having its way. Look at dogs or bulls or anything else. They think nothing of it. We do. Why? Because we're different. We are an eternal, an immortal spirit, rather. Uh, and because of that, we can restrain ourselves. And the Lord tells us to restrain ourselves. The same thing with not killing. God made a rule, don't kill. It's natural to want to kill someone. If they 
harm you, take something from you. It, it's, a, it's a natural uh, reaction uh, to kill. But there has to be a limit on how far that goes. Uh, some animals, uh, they, they kill because they can kill. Uh, what about man? Man is uh, the most sophisticated of all creatures. Uh, but we have to restrain ourselves from that type of behavior. You can go all the way down the moral code. Uh, the moral code um, is that part of God's law that applies to the spirit, our spirit, who we are, what we are. Uh, God wants us to be upright moral beings. The moral law, as God has given it, is something he wants us to make a part of ourselves. Okay, uh, it's, it's a, <clears throat> it becomes a, a, a natural thing for us to not want to hurt, destroy, damage, steal. It becomes natural for us to want to refrain from all those things. Uh, why? Because the Spirit of God dwells in us so pro pronounced. And because he does dwell in us so pronounced, we have the strength, the inner strength, to overcome the temptation that's oftentimes put in front of us uh, by the world. Um, exactly what the spirit is, some say, well, it's the mind. I don't, I don't know. What does it look like? I don't know. I have no idea. Is, is it, uh, is it uh, the, the lining of the outer man? I don't know. Uh, I do know uh, it thinks, it's rational, uh, it can logically deduce, draw proper conclusions. I know the spirit does all those things. Uh, if you were to take the spirit out of the body and the body could survive, what would the body do on its own? I don't know that either because it's not going to survive without the spirit within because that's the way God made it. Uh, when you start talking about trying to put the spirit under a microscope, can't do it. I wish we could, but we can't. It, there's no way to know. Uh, that's something we'll learn when we get out of this body. Uh, it'll be an instantaneous uh, education. We're going to understand what spirit is because we will be then spirits without bodies. Uh, but at the moment, we'll never know. However, we do know what spirit does because the Lord has told us. Uh, the spirit is uh, likened unto him. It bears uh, his marks, his characteristics, and it's up to us to develop those characteristics during our lifetime. It's a test. What will you choose? You've got two options. You can choose to be like God. You can choose to follow mammon. What will you do with your three score and ten years? That's what all of us do. Um, I think a, a vast majority of the world, however, doesn't give much consideration to the spirit. I think it majors on the flesh. And that's one of the reasons why the world's in such a mess. Uh, that good part, that could be that good part, uh, is not given much consideration. Excuse me just a minute, please. I think I'm going to need my little chair.
Okay. Get it down here at my level now. Uh, the thing that Paul is uh, teaching here is that the inner man has to be involved in our development. Uh, and that means taking it seriously. Uh, sometimes uh, people have a tendency to minor on the major, and major on the minor. Uh, more interested in uh, life in this world than they are life in the world to come. Uh, and that's a mistake. They're thinking with the, the natural man. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I think uh, some people uh, will do some of God's will, but not all of it. Uh, when, when you have to invest yourself into the kingdom of God, I think there's a lot of folks who uh, don't want to. They don't want to be bothered with that. I pay other people to do that. There's other people that's supposed to do that. The preacher's supposed to do that. The elders, the deacons, the Bible teachers, whoever. Uh, the people who are sustaining the congregation, they're the ones that's supposed to be doing things for the Lord. As for me, I don't want to. Yeah, I'll go to church and I'll do all the churchy kind of stuff, but uh, I'm not investing myself. I'm not making a commitment. And that's where the rub comes in. That's where the rub, that's where the flesh overpowers the spirit. And uh, we fail when that happens. It's easy to do. Uh, I think everybody's probably done it at least once, allow the flesh to control, but it's not good. This is what Paul's talking about here. We are a natural man, we are a spiritual man. If we don't uh, use our, if we don't from the spirit, from the heart, from the inner person, if we don't consider, investigate the things of God, we're not going to really understand the things of God. Uh, they're going to be foolishness to us. Uh, and there's, I hate to say things like that. I think there's a, a, a real possibility that uh, religion many times is very superficial. Something we do not what we are and uh, if you figure out a remedy to that I'd appreciate it because <laughs> I'm always looking for a way to try to get that message across he who is spiritual he judges all things what are we talking about the things of the spirit he who is spiritual he judges all things of the spirit yet he himself is rightly judged by no one uh, rightly judged you can't uh, is can't be judged in the right manner. He's talking here about um, the intentions of a person, um, why a person does what they do. Uh, a lot of times, I remember uh, I remember a woman one time, very industrious in the kingdom, and I remember uh, several other people grumbling because. Uh, you know, she's trying to take over, she's showing off, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I was convinced that she was uh, sincere in her industry, but uh, a lot of folks uh, thought she had ulterior motives. Well, they were wrong. They were wrong for making that judgment because you can't know. Uh, you can't know what a person thinks unless they tell you what they think. 
and it's wrong to judge them and condemn them. You may guess, but you know, don't talk about it to anybody. You may feel like you know, but don't talk about it to anybody uh, because you can't possibly know, at least not until that person tells you that they're insincere or they have a different motive than pleasing God. If they tell you, then you know. But if they don't tell you, you can't know. And Paul's saying he himself, this person, this spiritual person who judges all things uh, of the spirit, cannot rightly be judged by other folks. Uh, I'll get into this, I hope, in my sermon if I get that far. Uh, but I'll give, maybe we'll talk a little preview. When, uh, when a person becomes a Christian, uh, they know not much, okay? Uh, they know not much. Uh, they, know, they, they, they know enough that they are now uh, convinced that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He is the long-awaited Messiah. Uh, they're willing of their free spirit uh, to repent, to stop sinning. They don't want to do wrong. Uh, they, they had a change of heart. They want to please God now. They want to make God happy. Uh, they're willing to confess Jesus, with, which is an admission of the claims that Jesus made. The fact that uh, he's born of a virgin, he was raised from the dead, and the list goes on and on and on. When a person confesses, confesses Christ, they are, by implication, uh, declaring all these things to be, be the case. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And then they're baptized into Christ, of course have their sins washed away. Okay, here's the person, they're dripping wet. They know very little about Christianity. What they know is what it takes to become a Christian. That's what they know. They are to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of their sins, confess his sweet name, be buried in water for the remission of sins. That's all they know. Now, when you, when you come out of the world, and become a member of the church. You, you, are, you are going through a lot of different philosophies and ideologies. Uh, you're exposed to many erroneous beliefs in religion. Uh, for example, uh, this, this dripping wet Christian believes it's okay to use mechanical music. And someone says, well, you better go and get back in that water because you're not done yet. Now, wait a second. Here's a person. They're standing wet. They're still dripping. And you say, do you believe that you don't use mechanical instrument when you worship God? And they say, I don't see anything wrong with it. Is that person wrong? Have they sinned? Are they unworthy of the kingdom of God? What about if they don't want to stand the Lord's Supper? What if they were a Catholic and they think that every now and again they'll come up to the front and I'll put a piece of bread on their tongue and they'll eat and go back to their seat that they've taken communion. They believe that's the way you're supposed to. This is a brand new Christian 
and they, they, they want to take the Lord's Supper that way. Is that person wrong? I mean, are they, are they, are they guilty of sin? You see, when a person becomes a Christian, they know what it takes to become a Christian. That's basically what they know. Now, some people, you know and I know, they've attended Bible classes and all that stuff, and they know what we believe. But I'm talking about a person who has just come out of the world, and they've discovered that in order to be accepted by Jesus, whom they now believe in, they do the things that the Lord commands. But they don't know anything about worship. They don't know how to take the Lord's Supper. They don't know how to give on the first day of the week. They don't know that they're, they're supposed to uh, be kind to their enemies. Just think of all the things that they don't know. They don't know much. I'm not being ugly. It's just because that has to be the way it is. They just can't know much. And then from that point forward, we spend our life learning about the things of the Spirit. We, we, we study and we're taught, for example, about worship. You don't teach somebody about worship when you're trying to convert them to Christ. You teach them about Christ because that's who they need to know. But after they, if they become a Christian, now we've got to teach them about worship. And they say in a Bible class, I don't see why it's wrong to have a piano. And somebody will get all upset and, and bark at them. You ought to know that you can't use a piano. Why would they know that? Don't judge them. You couldn't rightly judge Paul the Apostle. We can't rightly judge one another. I know that you can't use mechanical accompaniment when we worship God. But my new brother or sister, they don't know that yet. And now it's become my job to teach them that the Lord doesn't want us to do that. I'm not going to ridicule them. I'm not going to tell them they're stupid. I'm not going to tell them they're undone as a Christian. They're only half-baked. I'm not coming up with any snide remarks. I, 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 I'm, I, I feel sorry that they haven't yet had the opportunity about, to learn about such matters. You can't judge a person. And if you do... You may be judging yourself in process because we don't want to be harsh towards other people. There's a time when you have to be harsh, but not until the time comes. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know that I really understood this very well, what I just said to you, until I made a dozen trips to India and I started meeting people who didn't know who Jesus even was. Uh, and I had to learn how to teach them. And uh, it dawned on me, uh, we teach people in, in two steps, really. Step one, we teach them what they need to know and do to become a Christian. And if they choose to become a Christian, there comes step two. 
we, we need to teach them how they're supposed to live as a Christian and what they're supposed to do as a Christian. You got step one, you got step two. Uh, and I don't see how it can be any other way. But we have to be gentle with people and not carelessly judge people uh, because they, they just don't have the knowledge yet. I remember when I became a Christian, there was, I, there was no one dumber than I was when it came to spiritual things. I didn't understand anything. I thought I did, and I was one of those kind. But, uh, but I was wrong, uh, and it, it took me a, a while to learn. I know I had an issue with mechanical music, I don't know, for a long time. What's the big deal? I didn't get it. I thought people are crazy, man. <laughs> What's a big deal? But uh, it is a big deal, I learned over the course of time. He who is spiritual, he judges all things that pertain to the spirit. <clears throat> Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Uh, you can't accurately judge that person's motive or their understanding. You gotta walk carefully. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Who is qualified to instruct Jehovah? But we do have the mind of Christ, 2 Timothy 3.16, Theosnustos, God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. We inhale. When we ingest the word of God, we inhale the very spirit of God because each word uh, came from the breath of God. I have the mind of Christ. Therefore, I know all those things that Christ would have me to know. Why? Because he's revealed them to me and to you through the scriptures, of course. Uh, so we always have to turn to the scriptures for our uh, instruction and direction uh, and be careful. We're careful about judging people. Uh, I, I've got, uh, I got a lot of my own problems, weaknesses. Uh, I need to be careful with other people's problems and weaknesses as well. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Don't think I'm getting it confused. Uh, wrong is never right. Uh, but the reason a person may be wrong might be understandable uh, because they never had an opportunity to learn yet. Thank God we have thus far. Okay, that brings us into chapter three. Any questions over that last part of that last chapter? I know it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of hard to understand for me. You start talking about the spiritual versus the natural. Uh, I know I don't understand it, but I know there is a difference. I know these are two entities that do battle with each other. Why do I know that? Because the Lord told me that's the way we're made. Uh, I take him at his word. Uh, I can sense the difference between the flesh and the spirit, that's for sure. How many times have you wanted to do something really badly and on the inside you're, you're, no, no, don't do this, don't do this. Boy, you really want to, you really want, no, no, don't do this. And you start fighting yourself, uh, trying to overcome the desire of the flesh. 
uh, it's a battle. It's a real, real, real battle. I think it's the largest battle of all time, actually. Uh, here we go to verse 1. The carnal Christians. Uh, read and analyze. Okay. Verses 1 through 9. And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. What does he mean by that? You have an idea? They, they didn't know much. They didn't know much at all. Uh, they should have. They could have. They would have. But they didn't put forth any effort. And Paul's saying, I should be able to speak to you as to spiritual people, but I can't. I've got to speak to you as a carnal person, even as a babe in Christ. In other words, I came to you a few years ago and I brought the gospel to you. And here I am a couple years later, and when I speak to you, I can't speak to you as one mature Christian to another. Now I've got to go back and do what I did before all over again. You haven't grown, not a bit. You haven't grown. Uh, and this is a, a giant problem for the apostle. Uh, because we are to keep growing as we live. I, I could not speak to you as the spiritual, <clears throat> but as the carnal, as the babes in Christ. A divine commentary, I think, on this is Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. If you used to put in footnotes in your Bible, you might want to put this one. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, John summarizes uh, the flesh, if you will. It's the lust of the uh, flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Uh, when Paul talks about the things of the flesh, this is basically what he's talking about, those three things. Uh, these are the things that uh, go to war with the spirit, these, these lusts that the flesh has. Uh, and the spirit's been taught not to have anything to do with it. The flesh wants to do it. The spirit wants to hold back. And you get into this, this fight. Those who live according to the flesh, he's speaking about anyone who lives according to the flesh. It could be a Christian, it could be a, a non-Christian. Uh, sometimes Christians, even though they are Christians, they live according to the flesh. Well, somebody told me one time, well, they're not really Christians. Well, yes, they are. They're just disobedient Christians, okay? That's like children, you know. Uh, you, you, your father wants the children to obey him. Uh, you got six kids. Five of them will. One of them will not. Does that child cease being the father's child? No, he's still the father's child. He's just a disobedient child as compared to the obedient ones. And so it goes in the kingdom of God. When a person has been born again, they become a son or daughter of God. Now they're going to be faithful or unfaithful, one or the other. And some, even who wear the name Christ, are, are going to be unfaithful because they're going to live according to the flesh. This is what's going to determine where they go. It's uh, the things that the flesh lusts for. Those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. They allow the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What's the chief thing people seem to lay their eyes on in this world. Money. Paul said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He pointed that out. He made that a principle, that the love of money. The strange thing was he was talking to preachers when he said it. 
He was warning the preachers. The love of money, preacher boy, is the root of all kinds of evil. You better keep it in check and not let it get the better of you. Because it is possible. Because we know what we can do with money. We can buy stuff. We can go places. We can do all kinds of great stuff. The money gives us great advantage while we're in the world. Some people, that is their principal object in life. Well, those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things that the flesh craves or desires. But those, on the other hand, who live according to the Spirit, they set their mind on the things of the Spirit. Okay? A person becomes a Christian. They're dripping wet. They know very little. They got two paths to walk now. They can walk the narrow way or they can walk the broad way, whichever they choose to do. The narrow way is to walk according to the things of the Spirit. The broad way is to walk without reservation, following the desires of the flesh. Uh, it's a natural phenomenon. Even though a person becomes a Christian, there's still the possibility of heading down the wrong road. And there are babes in Christ, he said. Uh, a babe, of course, needs milk. I fed you with milk a couple years ago when I was there for 18 months, and that was solid. I didn't give you a steak. I gave you the bottle. For until now, you were not able to receive it. Until now, you, weren't, you couldn't chew a steak. You choked to death. So I fed you milk. But now, you are still not able. And he's disappointed. You can tell by his tone he's disappointed. They should be ready for the steak, but they're not. They should be ready for the meat, but they're not. He's still going to have to approach them with a bottle because they still don't understand the things of the Spirit. Uh, they should have been, by this time, on solid food. He talks about it with Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.15 as well as in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. Uh, we must grow once we become a Christian. That's the beginning, the new birth. And then we grow from that point forward. For you are still carnal. You were carnal when I came to Corinth. A couple, well, three and a half years have gone by now. And what? You're still carnal. <clears throat> For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, these are works of the flesh, according to Paul in Galatians 5.19. Uh, they urge, tug, pull on those fleshly desires. Uh, the envy, the strife, the divisions uh, usually have world ambition in mind. A person follows this fellow because they think this fellow is somebody important. So they follow this fellow what he says they do. Another group thinks this is the fellow who's a real somebody, and they follow that body, and so on and so forth. Or it could be because they think they're smarter than the other person. We're going to do this this way because this is better than the way we're presently doing it. And another person says, no, we can't do that. we got to do it this way. There are divisions that were occurring within the church 
And the reason the divisions were occurring is because somebody took their eye off Christ. They weren't looking at Christ. They were thinking like mere men would think, like people do in a factory or when they get labor unions. People, some people follow behind this guy, these, this guy. Same thing happens in the church. It's no different. People are people. No matter where they are, people are people. And people are always susceptible to making bad decisions. And this is what was going on at the church at Corinth. And Paul said, because of this, the envy, the strife, the divisions, because of this, I know you're still carnal. You're thinking like mere men think. Are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Absolutely they were. They were doing the same thing the union laborers were doing. There was no difference between them. The same exact thing was going on. When one says, I am of Paul, I follow Paul. Another says, I, I think Apollos is a somebody. Are you not carnal? Well, you should be looking at Christ. Christ is a somebody. The rest of us, we're, we're bodies. But Christ is a somebody. You should say, I am of Christ. Another says, I am of Christ. It's not about being of a person. That's carnal thinking. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers to whom you believed. A minister, he's a, he serves a, a master. He's a steward. That's what I am. I'm a minister. What is a minister? A minister is a person who ministers to other people. That's all. There, there's no grandiose crown this person wears. He simply serves the Lord in a specific capacity. We're all servants of Christ. We're all ministers of Christ. So what puts one minister above another? There should be no difference between them. Whether it's the guy who's doing all the talking or the guy who holds the door. Each minister is in his own capacity. And there's nothing about us that makes one superior to the other. But you watch people, you watch people. They'll place one above the other. They'll place one. I remember not too long ago, an older woman told me her husband was a preacher. And she said, when he died, he had already forgotten more than I ever knew. And I thought, that's a sad thought for a person to have. How could a woman of her years think that way? It's not about men, it's about the Lord. I better stop, because we're fixing to get into some, uh, we're gonna have to spend a little time on the rest of it. Uh, so we'll take up again, probably with verse one, if I know me, next week, God willing. Fifty years old. It's been downhill.